Okay, welcome to episode 44 of White Heat Part A, presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by our good friends at Mohawk Honda in Scotia Glenville, Johnstone Supply in Troy. Oh, if you only knew the circus was involved to try and get this to start recording and all that jazz, JJ Alexander's just laughing because he knows what I mean, he can hear it in my voice. We've been working on this for an hour. Oh man, I there's days where I love technology and days where I want to punch whoever invented this stuff right in the face. But anyways, oh, okay. So let me preface the uh, like the, the start floor, of this bro. episode by explaining what's going on. So what we're doing is like I like we mentioned last week, we're splitting episode forty four to two parts. And the way we ultimately concluded on doing this is that we are spending the entirety of Part A covering the week that was for WWE WrestleMania. Um, we're going to be, not there was much to really cover, but we'll go through the go-home TVs. Uh, we'll go, and then obviously we'll go through Stand Deliver, WrestleMania Night 1, WrestleMania Night 2. Um, and then what we're going to do for Part B because we're recording this right now on Monday afternoon, April 4th, is we're going to let it breathe, and we're going to devote Part B, which we're recording the next day, Tuesday, April 5th, we're going to devote that to um, whatever bullshit we feel like touching on from AEW, Ring of Honor, Super Card of Honor, eye roll emoji, um, the Raw After Mania, because we, we just... Raw after media tends to be a big animal to tackle. Yeah. So we just kind of felt like we'll kind of, we'll just let things breathe. And it'll also let, allow us to maybe look back at WrestleMania a little bit differently when we approach ep, uh, part B of this episode. So that all being said, uh, JJ, if you're ready to go, I'm ready to go. Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. I, I took all my Sudafed and all that shit. I'm good to go. Oh, yeah. You and your uh, your wonderful like head cold you have going Sinus on. Sinus headaches. It goes from here to here to here to here to here. That's lovely. That's yeah. freaking lovely. It hits here and it goes all through your teeth. Oh, it's the worst. You get the most random shit. Yep. As far as the effects of what it does to you. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Any All right. So to be quite blunt... Um, the go home edition of Raw, I'm just going to say it, was a whole lot of nothing in my opinion. Yeah. It was very blasé. It was very, um, I felt like it was a little more promo heavy than they usually are for go home very. episodes into a pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, and the matches didn't really stand out at all. The ones they did have on the show. Yes. Um, like to me, the only real entered part at all even, but it was ruined because I saw the leaked footage of it earlier in the day on Twitter was the whole Seth Rollins Vince McMahon thing yeah. and that was all of six seven minutes long of a mm -hmm. three hour show um, but again because that was leaked prior to the show on Twitter in that, that afternoon if you saw that on Twitter, you pretty much didn't need to watch Raw that night. Yeah. This is what it breaks down to. Like, the only um, thing that we, like, the only thing that was anything new going into Mania was them setting up freaking Omos and Trashley. 
Right. Right. Exactly. That that's really the only thing that added any substance of any sort to what was going to happen later in the weekend. Uh, and I kind of felt the same way about NXT TV. Um, NXT was, was, NXT was, oh, that's, that's, that's a good answer. Um, Like all they did was they're like, oh yeah, we're going to find a way to shoehorn in a women's tag title match by, we don't have anything else. So we're just going to put Raquel and Dakota back together. Right. So here's what we had from. I'll just run through it real quick just to set up how everything went. So we had the open with a six-man tag with Imperium being LA Knight and MSK. Then we had promo backstage seg. Uh, two backstage segs, really, because they had Kaylee Radio Shirai. Then they had Dakota Kai looking for Wendy Chu, apparently. And then we had Tatum Paxley trying to help clean up the gym that was defaced for Diamond Mine. Then Ivy Nile beats Tiffany Stratton because Saray distracts Tiffany. Who cares? Yeah, it was heel versus heel for no point, for no reason. Right. Then you had two back-to-back video packages for about Dolph and Cora Jade. Um, Briggs and Jensen beat Ladado Del Fantasma. Uh, then you had Persian Indy arguing who had the hotter, who was the hotter couple, and setting up, <laughs> setting up whatever the fuck they did. What was it like a? F- it was it was just a promo package of them like shopping in Texas that they played twice during Takeover, and it, there was a Twitter poll. I saw the Twitter poll. What was it? 89 percent. Yeah. Um. Then Tox Attraction came to the ring, cut a promo, um, which led to basically Gigi and JC say there's nobody left to face for the tag titles because of the way the Dusty Cup worked out. Which leads to what you were saying. Dakota Kai comes out and goes after Tox Attraction. Who comes to save her? Raquel Gonzalez. For reasons. Yeah, because, you know. They didn't have a knockdown drag out feud or anything. We're just going to reunite them and hope people just forgot about that. Right. Like they've literally been broken up for what? Seven months. If that. Hmm. Like they didn't, they have their blow. Did, did, it was Dakota game War games. It was, so it was after Halloween havoc. I remember that Dakota knocked out Raquel with the shovel in, during Halloween havoc. Yeah, so it was in the midst of... So then they had their blow-off at War Games. So December, so five months? Yeah. Basically. Um, And then they basically had three nothing matches in a row before your main event on the NXT. You had Von Wagner beat Bodie Hayward, who really cares. Um, Joe Gacy beat Draco Anthony. And uh, Uh, what's his name? Was it... Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, What's the, his name? Was it ringside? Yeah, looking at Harland kind of funny, which I don't know what they're trying to do there, but okay. Um, And then you had your favorite female on the roster win a squash match. Uh, and then they had and then they had Lash Legend appear on the Titan on the uh, the not the Titan Tron, not to call that anymore. Uh, the big screen, the PC Tron, whatever. 
Yeah, PC Tron. That works. Because <laughs> um, they really want to. They really want to get an Akita Lions Last Legend match, I guess. Which is <sighs> like watching paint dry. So I don't know. So I'll I'll, I'll I'll circle back around to that after we after we actually start talking about Santa Deliver. The one little Easter egg from the episode of NXT though was the Creed uh, the Creed brothers getting the text on the phone. Mm-hmm. So oh, right. seven eight one area code is Eastern Mass. It's where Chaotic runs, and I know that a few Chaotic guys were down at the PC this past week. Not oh, not only chaotic, but just like Eastern Mass people. Like Johnny Vegas was down there, and he brought down a couple of kids. So we might be seeing someone new. Interesting. Because yeah, that's really the only. That's really the only thing that has any kind of mystery behind it at this point is who's behind the stuff going on with the gym, right? For Diamond Mine. Yeah. Which, by the way, is it me or do I keep hearing? I don't know if it's Barrett or if it's Alicia Taylor when she's announcing someone from them. Do I keep hearing people saying Diamond Mind with like a D at the end, almost an accident? I think people have been slipping up saying it just because, like, when you're in the middle of a, like a, a repetitive, like when you're in the middle of a, of, of a run on of a run on sentence. It just kind of breezes by and like you accidentally do it. Yeah. Fine. Sure. If you say so. Um, <laughs> and then at the end of the night, we had Cameron Grimes win the triple, the last chance triple threat to get into the North American title match at Stand Deliver. He beat A Kid and Roddy uh, and Roderick Strong. Mm-hmm. And that was that. So yeah. yeah. Um all right. So uh, before we get to stand deliver, I guess we'll go in chronological order actually. SmackDown. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll carry we'll touch on WrestleMania SmackDown. Obviously, the two notable things that really came out of that, number one, Madcap Moss winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. <laughs> which I said it on Twitter. Let's just be blunt about this. Because they introduced this at 30, correct? In New Orleans? Yes. Was the first one? Okay. Yes. Let's just be honest about this. The moment they fucked up the fallout from that with Heyman and Cesaro, mm-hmm. the whole thing was just fucked from the, from the get-go. Right. It was the everybody gets a payday battle royal for Mania. Like Andre, I mean not Andre. Big Show winning at once. Okay. Um, and uh, honestly, Big Show should have won the first one. Right. Right. Um, but let me just run through the history of this battle royal real quick for you. There's only one other person besides Mad Cat Moss that's still employed that's won this. Okay. So. <laughs> uh, no, you're incorrect. There's two. Oh. Um. So Cesaro won the initial one, like we just mentioned. Then Big Show won it the next year at 31. 32 was Mm -hmm. Baron Corbin. Oh, that's right. That's right. When I believe he was still technically NXT talent, by the way. He hadn't been officially called up yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Then, of course, we had WrestleMania 33 with Mojo Rowley and the whole (laughs) Rob Gronkowski thing. Yep. 
Uh, WrestleMania 34 was Matt Hardy, which I honestly mm-hmm. for, I forgot Matt won that. Was because that when he was did... doing the whole thing with Bray? That was when him and Bray first got together, was during That's that. Right. Okay. Uh, Braun Strowman won 35, uh, which was in New York, which if you recall, that was SNL cast member Colin Jost being the last guy out. Yeah, Jost and Che were part of that, yeah. Um, then they skipped it. Um they skipped it for COVID mania. That's right. And then they brought it back last year, um, which was Jay Uso. Yep. That's uh, the other one that we remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, he eliminated Shinsuke last. And then obviously uh, Madcap eliminating Finn Balor last to win uh, the one this year on SmackDown. Pop quiz, by the way. I'm just checking here. Oh, okay. I'm trying to see if I can uh, if I can get you on this. Let's see here. Okay. So only one person there's there's one person who's been in the most Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royals, having been in the first six of them. He's no longer employed by WWE. Would you like to take a guess on who that is, who that was? I'm guessing it was probably Matt Hardy. Incorrect. Matt Hardy was in two of them. Oh, okay. There's a bunch of guys who had been in have been in five of them, yeah. but this is the only guy that was in six of them. Heath Slater. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was right. in the. That's crazy to think his WrestleMania spot for six years in a row was the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And yep. then he got canned before the yeah. Oh well, shit happens. <laughs> Any hooser. Um, the other thing from Smack WrestleMania SmackDown was uh, Ricochet retaining his Intercontinental title in a triple threat against uh, Los Lotharios. Garza, yeah, Garza and Umberto Carrillo. Los Lotharios, whatever the fuck. But you know they- he's being buried. I'm assuming they did the the kiss cam, by the way. I don't know. I didn't. I, I didn't catch. I, I didn't catch most of SmackDown on Friday. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, so those are the two notable things out of SmackDown. Um, then we get to. Um, oh, real quick, Hall of Fame. Anything notable pop out to you at all? So the Steiner Brothers induction seemed more like a vehicle to try to get Braun over. Um, which didn't work. Um, I love how Scott Steiner took up most of their time and Rick freaking called them out for it. <laughs> it's like they gave us five minutes and you took up four. Thanks. Um, what do you expect though? Dana warrior is a twat. Completely didn't regard, completely disregarded JTG being there. Didn't he wasn't introduced like even when I came out, like, like, like Shad's wife had to mention that he was there. Mm-hmm. Like, give me a fucking break. And the thing was, like JT, and and like I also felt like it was a little snub that Jay that Jay didn't actually get to say anything. Yeah, um, that was a little odd. I felt hmm. like he comes out with the family. He does. He even does the 
the uh he does the whole little like the thing entrance with, thing with with Shad's son. son. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That it, the whole thing felt kind of odd when you put it that way. Yeah. I mean, it was a nice heartfelt speech afterwards, but I mean, yeah, it just like it felt like he got snubbed. And then uh yeah, getting Ted Talk Taker. Which the moment he started coming out and you saw the side mic, I'm like, they're gonna let him go for as long as he wants. Oh please, that wasn't Ted Talk Taker. That was uh that was that was preacher taker. <laughs> it was like he was giving a Sunday sermon of some sort. But I mean that was that was a hell of a speech. I think that's the longest Hall of Fame speech in history. I mean, Probably. rightly so. I mean, he went an hour, so. Yeah. But I mean, rightly so, and it was it was well done. The a lot of shit hit home. Um, some people were mad that he like mentioned a whole bunch of people, but for but didn't mention some people, and it's like, dude, like he went he went through a lot of stuff. He mentioned a lot of people, and he was you could tell he was he was winging it the whole time, like. Mm-hmm. He didn't have it prepared because, like, people are like, oh, he didn't mention Mick Foley. Like, it's not like he's got heat with Mick. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. But and it was, yeah, it was a nice touch at the end when he put on the jacket and the hat. And then, of course, he had to do the never say never. Which. I hope that doesn't. I hope that doesn't mean what what it would usually mean. I just I, I don't know. I think they could bring him back like at like Mania Forty as like a special enforcer or like in a cinematic match or something like that, like something easy. Yeah. Let, let's let's hope it doesn't mean what it could mean. Let's just say that much. <laughs> um, all right. Then we get to NXT Stand and Deliver, which was WrestleMania Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I got that. They drew a um, nice house. Yeah, they were in. Uh, da, 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 oh, what arena was it? Um, American Airlines was it? I think so. Yeah, yeah. That would that would sound. It's funny. where they held SmackDown in the Hall of Fame, and it's where they're holding Raw. Yeah, so that would yeah, that the basically the arena that the NBA's Dallas Mavericks play in. Yes, that, that's what it is. All right. Uh, so pre-show they had Mackenzie Mitchell and Sam Roberts as per usual. Um. But then they also had Beth Phoenix on board. Yep. Um, which was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, you know, did the usual stuff. Uh, da, da, da. Then they had like, uh, they had Kayla Braxton chime in at certain points. Peter Rosenberg, mm-hmm. um, Akbar Pasha Biamila from American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> Sorry, Casey Catanzaro couldn't be on the card for you to break down, but okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> What else? Oh, and we had the uh, the women's tag title match. No, before that, did you see the the little skit with uh, Anofe tricking Blade to go into the locker room, thinking it was going to be Toxic Attraction's locker room, and it was Imperium's locker room? No, I missed that. So Blade had like a whole like gift basket prepped. Because, you know, there's been this whole thing with him and... They got the crush on him. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Anofe led him to a locker room that had a toxic attraction sign. And he convinces Blade to go in. And after he goes in, you hear some rumbling and 
tussling around, and Inofe removes the sign to reveal it's actually Imperium's locker room. <laughs> so it was, it was a good little bit of humor. Um, all right, so during the kickoff show, we also had the women's tag title match, which completely ruins our hot list from last week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So... Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai are now your new women's tag champs with help from interference by Wendy Chu. I sure, I guess, whatever. Cool. Um, I mean, they had to do something with, I mean, the tag team was not getting over. Like, I mean, honestly, I don't think Toxic Attraction as a whole is getting over, but the tag team more so than Mandy, so they had to take those straps off them. Just almost makes me wonder if Raquel is ever going to get brought up. She will. Probably, she'll probably be one of the ones that comes up in the draft in the fall. But then that means you gotta find another women's tag team that makes sense, or at least kind of makes sense at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and right now, there's not a whole lot of anything right. in NXT. Which is yeah. not to say the kid finds something in like six months, but like right now it's, it's a right. pretty barren desert in the women's tag division down there. Yeah. Uh then we get the main show. They kick off with the five-way ladder match for the North American title. Uh, and Cameron Grimes finally uh, coming out. Interesting that they only gave Grimes and Mellow entrances, by the way, for this match. So they they gave um, they gave Waller and not Solo. Um, who else was it? Santos. Yes. So during the kickoff, as the kickoff was going off the air, Waller and Santos were coming out. Then they cut to the thing and then they came back. Sokoa was already in there right. and then they introduced Melo. So basically Solo was like his entrance was happening during the opening crawl. See, which is weird because like the one guy I've been waiting to see how a live crowd reacts to him coming it's out Solo. is yeah. the one they fucking cut out. Yeah. It's like, Oh, like what the fuck? Um, yeah. So I don't know. So I was have to wait on that. Yeah. Uh, that being said, so Grimes ends up winning the match, uh, becoming the new champ. Grayson Waller broke his arm. Yeah, I saw him in the sling and didn't exactly know what happened. It was him. the he did the elbow drop spot off of the ladder on the outside, and he was like, I'm guessing. That he was either stupid and called this spot on the fly, or it was about to happen and Cameron was like, wait, I'm not supposed to take this spot. Or the spot wasn't approved in general and this kid went into business for himself. And so he did the elbow drop off the ladder trying to go through Cameron on the ladder. Cameron rolls out of the way and so he just hits the ladder head on and he broke his arm. And that's what happens when you keep trying to go viral. And that's what happens when you're green as shit and you got us and you keep thinking that I'm just going to do these crazy bumps to get attention. Uh, allow this to be my weekly moment where I say brain damage. <laughs> <sighs> Fucking Waller. 
Um, so two title matches, two new champs, and now we get uh, Tony D going over on Ciampa. Um, Ciampa had come out and uh, did the Triple H entrance. Did the Triple H entrance and the Shawn Michael flex in the ring before the match started. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ciampa, you know, was given his time to get out. Um, Freaking, I go ahead. Back it up a second. D'Angelo coming out with AJ Galante. There was just no reason for that. See, I'm from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. So AJ Galante is a guy that used to own this third string minor league hockey team called the Danbury Trashers. They used to play at the Danbury Ice Arena, which is also hosted a plethora that, yeah. of wrestling. Yeah. He so he was at the SmackDown taping that I was at back in December, and they were selling like WWE commemorative trashers t-shirts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently he worked a deal. And so they're like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. But then they got Wade Barrett on commentary saying like, oh, he's like the real life Tony Soprano. I'm like, no, he's not. And even like, I was talking to a buddy of mine who like used to go to Trashers games all the time. And like after the Trashers went under and this dude started getting indicted for shit, like he completely distanced himself from admitting he was the owner of the Trashers for years, years. I'm talking like 15 years. Until Netflix came along and was like, we'll give you money. I mean, isn't that how it always is? Yeah. But I mean, there's a, there was no reason for Galante to be out there. And while I don't agree with Tommaso laying down for the kid, I understand. Because Tommaso wanted to do the right thing. Right. It was just shitty. But, and that was when... Because if you notice, Tommaso's going up the ramp, they cut to a commercial package, and then it cut right out three seconds in. And it went back to Tommaso going up the ramp. That was when I knew right then and there this entire takeover was being produced by Trips. Because do you, it, do you think he called it on the fly that he was going to go out there? I think that he was ready for he 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 had it prepared for for it to be a surprise and maybe not everyone got the memo mm. but i also like looking at the structure of the way the show opened and the five way and all that stuff i was like this feels like old nxt and overall the whole show pretty much felt like old nxt so you could tell the trips was back there in gorilla like this is how it's supposed to be run bruce pritchard go fuck yourself this is my show and also what's interesting is that sometime in the last week or so, apparently, and this is this is just what I've been reading online, you can take it or leave it, but um, NXT talent had been encouraged in the last week or so to, uh, how should I put it, uh, lay it in there, I guess yeah. would be one way to put it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if this is, because let's, let's, just, let's just call a spade a spade here. Mm-hmm. A lot of the newer talent that's been introduced since the turn into NXT 2.0, mm-hmm. um, a lot of their shit looked weak. Uh-huh. Let's just be blunt, honestly. Um, so the fact that something like that had to be said tells you something. Yep. Um, so maybe this was their... This was kind of their everyone's audition to mm-hmm. show that they can lay it in. 
that's, that's why it came off that way. Obviously, we'll see with NXT TV that comes up in the number, next number of weeks to see how that works out. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would agree. Um, then we had the oh, excuse me. There we go. Stupid, stupid me. There we go. Uh, I kept clicking on that ad. Sorry. Um, <laughs> then we got a triple threat match for the tag titles in which MSK gets the victory. Uh, Recapturing the tag titles, their second time with the gold, beating the Creed Brothers and the champions Imperium. And that was that that match was the tail of the tape as far as 2.0 goes, because I like Imperium. I think they're solid hands, but like the thing was, they were kind of forgotten in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like they were just kind of there and they were the champions. There was too much focus put on the fucking green brothers. And sure enough, when they came out, there was no crowd reaction. And MSK came out and there was not a lot more crowd reaction, but the crowd warmed up to them in the match. And the thing is, it's because this is really this is really MSK's first match since being in XC in front of a large audience that wasn't just at the PC. And it helped them. They because they they obviously they work for impact. They know how to work a they know how to work a crowd. Um, but it just it proved that they put way too much stock in the creeds over the past six months. And this was Trip saying, see, I told you. Because when you're not in front of the friends and family crowd, nobody cares about these guys. Right. Uh, then we go into the Fatal 4-Way for the NXT Women's Title Match, in which there's a new title belt. Yeah. It looks all right. Yeah. I ain't bad at it wasn't it. much of a change from the old one. Right. Um, you know, this is, this is a match where... They literally added EO and Kaylee to make the match serviceable so the crowd didn't throw garbage in the ring. That's ex- yeah, that perfectly sums up what I was thinking. They were basically there as filler yep. as if to to guide Cora right. and Mandy through it. In the end, uh, Mandy retains after EO hit a moonsault and she tosses out EO uh, to get the pin. Mm-hmm. And so that was the first champion to successfully defend their title that night. Yeah. Cora Jade, and again, no crowd reaction. And they've they've sent her out with you a can't bunch of send, skateboarders. Yeah, you can't send a a professional skateboard trick company out there to swirl around this girl who doesn't know how to ride a skateboard, who just walks out with it holding it. Like you just expose the fact that her gimmick is bullshit. Right. Uh then we had LA Knight versus Gunta. They fucking neutered all of Imperium. They changed their music. Yeah, which is weird because there's no royalty fees involved for the music they had for them. Yeah, the Bell of uh, I always forget the name of it. It's like the Bell I, of the Valkyrie, something like it. But that it's right. it's it's public domain music. Like, right? Why change it? I, I don't fucking know. Um, at least Gunta wins. Yeah. Um, which. So basically, here comes the question: Are we still going to shuffle around LA Knight to just do these random rivalries, or do we, or is this probably it? Like, is is he possibly moving up? He's probably moving up. I would tend to agree. Yeah. Um. Then we get the main event, 
for the NXT Championship. And I know why you're smiling and happy. Um, Dolph Ziggler retains the title over Braun Breaker. Um, Dude, that match was that was beautiful. It was like it was like a minute in. Dolph went for that second turnbuckle on the side, and they didn't mention it on commentary. And so then they didn't even go back to it for twenty minutes. And the entire time, like I was on the edge of my seat watching that match because I was like, no. Do not put this kid over. No. And every time some heel shit came out, I'm like, yes, heel shit, heel shit. Keep that fucking kid down. And then sure enough, I was just waiting and waiting and waiting. And there's the turnbuckle. Boom. Thank you. That was pure old school. That was Tripp's agent was the agent for that match. You could tell. So obviously you uh, things ended on a happy note for you. I even said right afterwards, I was like, nothing can get me down the rest of this weekend. I was just like, anything that happens in Mania, I don't care. They did the right thing here, and I'll be uh, happy for the rest of my weekend. Uh, and the wife said, I'm going to hold you to that. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that thought. Yeah. Because I think you're wrong at one point, but we'll get, back. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, that being said... We now go to later that day into the evening, WrestleMania Saturday, which opened with the SmackDown Tag Team titles and the Usos successfully defending them against Shin and Rick Boogs. Poor Rick. Uh, yeah, obviously, you could, you could tell the knee buckle something was wrong. Just obviously didn't know the extent of the injury. Yeah. Um, they eventually... Um, they didn't really get a true update throughout the rest of the night, but they did announce the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, they suffered a uh, quadricep patella injury that requires surgery. Yeah. Um, not entirely sure about the timetable. My assumption. Um, or I'm gonna look it up real quick. Um, quadricep patella. Here. I mean, it wasn't uh, a good sign to start off mania. <laughs> Wasn't a good omen. Quad patella tendon repair. Let's see what we got uh-huh. here. Of course, I had to click on. Okay. Recovery time off of work. Usually estimated take at least six months for the patient to feel as though he or she has completely returned to a pre-injury level of activity. Jesus. Um, so Boogs is going to be out until Survivor Series. Roughly. Although, I mean, well, here's the thing. You also have to factor in Boogs is he's a gym rat. He's a gym freak, really. I mean, you True. just see the, the way the guy lifts weights and stuff, so maybe SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's the early end of the timetable. I'd say SummerSlam, depending if there's any delays or setbacks, then yeah, Survivor Series. Yeah. Um, Survivor Series would put him at, let's see, November, so the back end of seven months, maybe a little more than that. Yeah. SummerSlam would put him at the, uh, well, SummerSlam also remember it's the end of July. It's not in August this year. Yeah. So you're looking at the short end of four months there um, because they're doing it outside in Nashville with money in the bank at the beginning of July in Vegas. So, you know, uh, obviously it's a wait and see thing. You feel bad for him, obviously, because it is his first mini after all. Um, but 
Um, but it seemed like, see, and, and this is how you know, this is how you know you got true veterans in the ring because despite the fact of that happening, everything from that point forward almost felt pretty damn natural to the flow of the match. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it didn't, nothing about it really felt off kilter. Mm-hmm. Um, and aside from when they mentioned Boogs not being on the apron to, to try and help Shin, mm-hmm. nothing felt out of place or looked weird. So yeah, they knew uh, how to call the call the different finish on the floor. Yeah, so good on Jimmy and Jay and Shin and and getting that done. So that was a real good job of them covering up um, that issue. Um, next we had Drew defeating Happy Corbin. Um. Have you seen the still photo from after the match? No. So after the match, obviously, you know, Mad Cat Moss is talking shit to Drew because he's Mad Cat Moss. And then Drew takes the sword and or Angela Mm -hmm. breaks the ropes. Yeah. Um, Let's just say that Angela isn't exactly the the most well-architected sword in the world. (laughs) So there is a still photo. Of when he's going through and breaking the ropes as he's breaking through the second rope. Mm-hmm. So a sword should be, you know, straight. This thing, let's just pretend that uh this 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 blue cap on the Sharpie is the handle. Mm-hmm. This is the sword. Mm-hmm. Let's just say now pretend it's bending, not just a straight line when I pull this off. Mm-hmm. The sword was basically like that going uh. through. So that was funny to see a still photo of. Um, <laughs> not sure it was really necessary to do that spot, but sure, fuck it, why not? I it guess. was just to put an exclamation point on the entire feud, really. Yeah, I suppose. Um, and I mean, they just they like I understood when Drew first started coming out with the sword. Yes, yeah, part of the you know part of the Scottish warrior thing, but it's played yeah. out now. There's, yeah, there's no need yeah. for it. Exactly. It's something like, okay, you used it, and like now you've had what three different people steal it from him at one point. Like now, now it's time for it to go away. Right. right. First time was two. It was like, oh, they're doing the Bret Hart jacket gimmick, except the sword. I get it. I get it. I yeah. get it. Um, yeah. So then we get the first celebrity match of the weekend as the Miz and Logan Paul went out and defeated the Mysterios, which I'm sure brought. A big smile across your face. Fuck the Mysterios. Um, Art Bar is spinning in his grave. Yeah, so obviously you're referring to the uh, the gear that Ray and Dominic had. Uh, if I remember correctly, was it... Who was in the, the Eddie old school US? Was that Dom? I think yeah. it was Dom in the yeah. US, which yep. was uh, Eddie Guerrero tribute. And then you mentioned the, the Mexico gear layout that Ray had on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was interesting to see Logan Paul do a bunch of Eddie shit, the frog splash, the three amigos. Your Logan Paul impressed the fuck out of me. And, and I and remember, I, I, I think I brought this up either last episode or the one before when they were, were breaking this down. You know, Logan Paul had put in had been putting in time with the Miz, and mm-hmm. I think he was training with Ziggler as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe T.J. Wilson was also helping out. Um, they weren't 
Logan Paul wasn't going to just show up and fuck around and go home. Like this, this wasn't mm-hmm. a snooky situation. He was going to, you know, come in and actually do work and good on him. And uh, the whole thing, like he looked like he belonged when he was in there. Yeah, he didn't look like a he didn't look like shit. He was in shape, you know. He, mm-hmm. he and he and here's the thing I appreciate the most actually. The touch of having matching gear with Miz. Uh-huh. Like, he didn't look out of place. And now, the, the Mikazi whole, designed both their gear. He did a great fucking job on that he shit. He did do a great job. Especially um, because Mikazi purposely did it to match the six-figure Pokemon card in the lanyard. Yeah, like, oh, I don't get why he would wear a multi-million dollar Pokemon card in the ring, but that's... Because he can? Yeah, he's, it's Logan Because it's, it's a douchebag move? Well, yeah, I mean, that's 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 Logan and Jake Paul for you. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, Jake Paul was on the pre-show that night. Yeah, uh-huh. And uh, why don't I feel we're going to get, like, Logan and Jake Paul teaming together at another Mania down the road? That's a good possibility. I don't know against two, but... I could see Jake taking a break from the boxing and coming in for a mania potentially with his brother. Yeah, yeah. I could see it. Especially That's, next year with it being in Hollywood. Right. And I'll tell you right now, Logan, uh, if they better they better say doors open anytime for him cuz he cuz like I think saying, he's I think we're going to see another match we're going to see Logan and Miz. I don't know about Backlash, but maybe at SummerSlam. Oh yeah. I could see that. Yeah. Especially because he's doing a big outdoor, they're doing a big stadium again for that, right? Because um, they're going to be in Nashville. Yeah, I could definitely mm-hmm. see that. Absolutely. Um, or even, uh, I don't think they'd put it on a secondary paper like this, but they could even do Money in the Bank just because it's it's Vegas and it's a big stadium right. as well. Right. Um, they could do really either one. I feel like. Uh-huh. Um, and then after the match to feed into what you were just saying about Miz and Logan Paul. Miz ends up giving a skull question for now to Logan Paul after the match and yep. walking out on. Um, then we had a quick seg where Stephanie came out to the top of the ramp and introduced Gable Stevenson uh, to the crowd. He came out, did his, he, he did the Tom X of their own. <laughs> uh, go out. Smile, wave my little wave your hat. Out, but I did that. So where do I get paid? Um, <laughs> that's basically what that was, and you know, whatever it was, what it was. Yeah. Um, which again, you didn't have to do it. Now, obviously, we got more out of him night two. We'll get to that. Yeah. Um, but you didn't you didn't have you didn't have to do anything more than that. That was perfectly fine. Right. Um. Then we lead into. The Raw Women's Title match, the first women's title match of the night, mm-hmm. and uh, Bianca gets over, beats Becky clean one two three in the middle of the ring. Um, Many Mouse versus Priz becomes the new Raw Women's Champion. Um, we had Becky with the uh, fuck. What was her? Oh, she came out in a uh, the big SUV, right? Becky? No, Becky came out. Oh, yeah, Becky, yes, Becky did. Yeah, yes. Becky came out in the big SUV, and then Bianca had the Texas Southern University marching band. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, I was uh, I was surprised, because usually if you get the marching band slash chorus treatment at Mania, that means you're not going over. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, uh, B- 
Bianca turns the manhandle slam into a right. KOD, and that's your winner. That's your. I match. mean, now they they obviously have a lot of stock in Bianca. If they were willing to the for how long Becky has had has been on top, mm-hmm. they really must have a lot of faith in Bianca. And I'm not saying anything against Bianca. I think she's a hell of a talent. But now she's really, really, really going to have to step shit up because she's got really big shoes to fill. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't see Becky going away right away, so you can at least carry oh, yeah. that on. Yeah. Um, at least in the backlash next month, maybe more. Um, you know, there's, you know, and I feel like there's, there's, there's talent on Raw that can, you know, that can keep the momentum up, like Rhea Ripley, for example. Like, uh-huh. you, you could do a program with her, and it could go a couple months if you want. Um, yeah. you know, there, there's talent there. Plus, you never know when Bailey's going to return because everybody's been expecting Bailey for three months. It seems like, which. Apparently, her and Asuka were backstage at Mania and are ready to go for this week's TV. Right. And we don't know where Asuka is because I don't think, I'm trying to remember, I don't think either one of them got drafted, right? Back right. in the fall. They left them both off because of the injuries. Yeah. So, you know, one might debut tonight, or not debut, return tonight on the uh, Raw after Mania. One, maybe both. Who knows? But, right. Um, so then. We get to where I think you were lying, sir. We get to where I think you were lying. Because you just said, you just said a few minutes ago, that after the breaker loss, nothing could stop you from being happy. And what I meant is overall mania. I didn't mean like single moments. Because, yeah. I did say fuck this game. Adrenaline in my soul. We never wanted Cody Rhodes. In my soul. We never wanted Cody Rhodes. Oh, man. Uh, So Seth comes out. Seth skinned a cookie monster. I'll just say that or he raided Ric Flair's closet and totally redesigned one of his robes. Because <laughs> uh, it, it looked very Ric Flair-esque, I felt like. Yeah. Um, so he comes out with his whole shtick and and then obviously the dramatic wait, 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 wait. And then the unveil that's Cody and uh, he comes out and defeats Seth Rollins. And it, and it was no squash. It was a, it was a serviceable match. There, it was a serviceable match of both of length and of quality. Um, eventually with Cody, how should I put this? So we, we saw this at the end of his AEW run where it's almost like a switch would go off on him at the end of his matches and he would be more aggressive and relentless towards the end. Like the multiple... Um, crossroads or doing mm-hmm. ex- or doing crossroads off the top or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he ended up doing overall in the match four crossroads to get yep. the win. Uh-huh. He did one a few minutes before the finish and then he did three in a row to mm-hmm. get the win in the end. Um, so it's interesting to see if that carries over into 
him maybe working as a heel and obviously just, you know, obviously he gets the pop when he comes back that that day. Right. Um at Mania. But now the question becomes two two part. A, which network wins the not that there's actual money being thrown, but the quote unquote bidding war for the services of Cody on the show. Do you put him on USA? Or do you put him on Fox? Mm-hmm. Um, and then part B of that, do you carry over the good feeling of him being back and have him as face to start off? Or do you kind of take the carryover of the the anger that kind of built for him in the end of that match and use that towards being a heel character instead. Right. Um, obviously time will tell. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll it's... find out real quick where he's going to be as far as raw or SmackDown. Yeah. There's a lot of factors involved in that. I mean, and it was released like he, the, like one of the big things in bringing him back was so because they're doing an A&E biography on dusty. So they needed him for that. But I, I still stick by what I said last week where, yeah, okay, he's back. He's going to eat shit for a while. Um, there's already conflicting claims as to, oh, it's a one-year deal. Oh, it's a multi-year deal, yada, yada. The fact that Cody told Variety, like, oh, it, me leaving AEW had nothing to do with money or creative differences, but it's personal and I'm not going to talk about it. Like, yeah, we fucking get it. Like, because... And I don't know if I went into this ever on here before, but I, I, I've all, I, I've had a good opinion of thinking Cody is trash for years. And it goes back to a podcast interview he did maybe about four years ago. Um, now mind you, he was on this podcast and he decided just for the fuck of it, to talk shit about an indie that booked him for a match. And mind you, this was an indie that I do not get along with the owner, or at least I didn't at the time. I've been professional and civil since. There's, uh, you know, if there's bad blood there or whatever, it is what it is. But we, we are both, we both maintain being adults. But Cody had to go on and talk shit about this little indie in Connecticut that booked him. Didn't he's like, oh, I won't say the name, but I'll just mention that it was in Enfield, Connecticut on this date, and I worked diamond at uh, Donovan Dijak. Like, oh gee, like the internet can't figure out. Mm-hmm. And was just a complete dick about it and like completely buried this, you know, this little company who like literally brought him in to try and draw a crowd. And then like I go and find out afterwards because I like, you know. I talked to my my ring announcer, Matthew James, who was also ring announcing for that company. And he flat out tells me, he's like, dude, Cody was a complete douche to everyone that night. Like just big leagued everyone through a fucking fit. And the whole thing was after the show, this company was doing this meet and greet. Um, it was like a, like a, not a meet and greet, like an after party at this local bar that helped sponsor the event. And so what happens is the local talents would be there and usually the names that were on there would go down as well. I remember going to one of the shows, uh, one of the after party shows once like Hornswoggle was there and hanging out with everyone and stuff. It's just something they did. And apparently Cody had agreed to go do this. And then that night had an attitude about it and was like, oh, I'm not going to go. And then someone mentioned like, well, you agreed to it. And so Cody shows up at, 10 30 at night 
with sunglasses on with his hood up and then just goes and sits in a corner and freaking broods like, dude, really? You're going to be that much of a fucking asshole about this. Like, and like I said, this is someone that I had no love for at the time, but he's just trying to make a fucking living. And you've got to be that much of an asshole to him. Like, no, fuck Cody. By the way, I just found the uh, the Reddit about that specific. <laughs> <clears throat> the whole. It was, uh, by the way, the. Uh, it was the Sam Roberts wrestling podcast. Oh, so it wasn't even. I, I didn't even know whose podcast it was. I just knew it was a podcast. So it was one yeah. of the bigger ones. He was a guest on that podcast. This was, I think I, I think I saw the date was March of 2017, I believe it was. Yeah. So five years ago. And I. I saw the I saw the promotion that you're not naming and yeah okay because they're still we, we we've maintained they're still working they're still they're still working we've maintained like the state's big enough for both of us we don't need to fight right yeah and plus you both share a, a common person that you know a couple of common people but yeah well, one in particular that I'm thinking of that uh, I think he does the same thing for them as he does for us, doesn't he? What, Matt James? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I figured. All right. But uh, yeah, Matt James works for them, works for us. Joanna Robinson works for them, works for us. Like, whatever. Yeah, Joanna's okay, I guess. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Joanna, if you're watching, you're listening. I'm kidding. I love you. Um. So yeah, I found the. I'm, I'll have to read this when we get done, because because I yeah. remember you. T- I remember you telling the story before. I just um. I don't think you ever mentioned that it was part of like an interview, but I do remember you. I remember you sharing the experience before. But I think you were just sharing it from the perspective of. I think we just happened to be talking about. Yeah. Cody, at some point, you mentioned that story. Yeah. Um. Any Um. So we get to um, the other women's title match of that night. It's for the SmackDown women's title, Charlotte and Ronda Rousey. Um, I have no problem with Charlotte retaining. I wanted yeah. Charlotte to retain. I wanted yeah. like I, I, I felt like I felt like there was no need to placate to Ronda in that yeah. way with this match. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think Charlotte Ronda goes on? Probably. Oh no! Now that uh, Becky hasn't retained, like obviously, because I I honestly thought that was the route they were going to go. Is if Ronda didn't go over, she would end up going after Becky afterwards. But yeah, I just I. Here is my only issue, and I, I thought what else has to be served at this point. Yeah, I thought it was a serviceable match. I just think because like by that that point in the night, like it was starting to drag, like it was getting later. However, I think that they if they had switched the women's title matches as in match order, and they had put Charlotte and Ronda on earlier, it would have gotten over better. It would have probably gotten over a little better, and it would have brought the crowd way back up for Becky and Bianca because the crowd was insanely hot for that match. Fucking farm girl bitch. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I don't have I don't have much love for Ronda, honestly. <laughs> like it, it's weird because 
I was one of the how should I put this? So back when I was still doing sports talk radio six mm-hmm. years ago, seven mm-hmm. years ago, whatever it was. Um it was back when New York State was still Not stifling on allowing professional mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. And I was let's just say I was in the great minority in being a proponent within the sports talk radio machine around this area. I was one of the few proponents of having it legalized mm-hmm. um, to a point where I had like national writers on, I had state assemblymen come on my show um, to discuss it. Owners of local MMA gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a huge proponent of the sport and for Rhonda personally, because I was also around the time when, women were finally being given the opportunity to take on a bigger spotlight and and be part of the UFC because, let's be honest, if it's not... UFC is basically the WWE of, M- of MMA at this point now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a big proponent for Ronda back then. But in this realm, in this situation, I just... Like, even in the triple threat main event they had in New York a few years back, I was like... Ah. Like... First off, the the machine being behind Becky, I mean, it was obvious that she was pretty much going to win that match anyways. Yeah. But at the same token, it's like, if it's not Becky, it sure as fuck better not be Ronda, was mm-hmm. my thought behind that match. And I felt that way the other night. I was like, they, they just can't. They can't pull the trigger on Ronda like that that quick. Yeah. Because here's the other thing to think about. If you're going to carry this over, you have, like, two of the perfect – like, you could hypothetically, if you – Want because let's let's just be real. Charlotte and Ronda have always had an odd physicality with each other mm-hmm. that I can't really explain. No. I don't know if it's the fact that Charlotte hates Ronda that much, or <laughs> if that's just how Ronda likes to take it. I don't fucking know. Mm-hmm. But if you want to push the levels of how far these two can go and make this a legit program going beyond, mm-hmm. you got hell in a cell in two months. Yeah, and now like. Out of all the programs that were going on going into Mania and could continue beyond it, aside from Brock Roman, that's the program that makes the most sense for Hell in a Cell right now. Yeah. So you could easily, if you want, like you don't necessarily have to have a match at Backlash because maybe Ronda wants a couple weeks off or whatever, but maybe you could have Ronda disappear, then show up at Backlash Mm -hmm. and then go from there. Um, But yeah, I agree. They the the wrong they had they they booked those two women's title matches ass backwards. Yeah. Um, so then we have let's see here. Um, they end up cutting New Day's match with Sheamus and Ridge until WrestleMania Sunday for time purposes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, because apparently they wanted Steve Austin to come out to the ring in exactly three minutes and sixteen. Uh, three hours three and hours sixteen minutes, minutes yeah. into the show. If you found that Easter egg on Twitter yesterday, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Um. So Austin comes out for the KO show. KO says, fuck that shit. I want a no holds barred match tonight. And Austin says, okay. Cause that wasn't a dead giveaway when he, when, you know, KO came out with wrist tape on and Austin had his knee braces on. That wasn't a dead giveaway at all. Um, <laughs> but Austin ends up winning the no holds barred match. And I'll say this obviously, it's a no holds barred match. So there wasn't really any chain wrestling involved per se. Yeah. All in all, Steve looked good. Yes, he did. And he pulled it off very well. Yeah. Um, 
I was a little scared about him when he did those fucking suplexes on the stage. I'm like, oh, oh God. Oh, yeah. You're in your 50s. I don't know if that's good for you. But he was mm-hmm. dead. He was fucking. Yeah. He carried it. And it, it shows how much trust they put in Kevin. Which is good. Almost to a point where you 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 want to see. I'm just curious to see if they take that trust and elevate him with it now. Yeah. And I guess for lack of a better phrase, reward him for it. Yeah. Or if they just kind of put him in the background again. I hope not. I mean, generally, the past few years, Kevin has taken a little bit of time off after Mania. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if that's the route he goes this time again or if he keeps going. If he keeps going, at least at least put him with Finn. Do something yeah. with him and Finn. Like, even yeah. that will appease me for now. Right, because they work together well in NXT, so yeah. And you're not gonna you're not gonna put him together with Roman. Like that that no, ship race, not again. That ship you know, sailed a quick. year ago. Yeah. Right. Um because was it it was still yeah, it was still the Thunderdome, so it was yeah. over a year ago when they had their thing on SmackDown. Yeah, it was oh. Rumble of last year, so yeah. Right. Um so that was the wrap on night one. So night one, WrestleMania Saturday, all in all, if you had to go on a scale of one to ten, how would you how would you put it? I think I'd probably give it an eight and a half. Um, I think night one was the more as far as was the match quality heavy night. Mm-hmm. Um because I don't think there really was a bad match in the bunch. Like a couple of spots dragged here and there in like Charlotte Ronda and uh, you know, whatever. But overall, like it kept people up. I feel like, and I feel like this is something that maybe a thing going forward, considering mania is going to remain to be two nights. It seems like when they put people on the Saturday night portion, they feel like they've got something to prove because they feel like it's the B night, so they go balls to the wall. Right. And I think that really helps them. I agree. I think over time, though, you might see that dissipate, that mindset a little bit. We'll um, see. Especially now that it feels like it's going to be a regular thing, this two-night thing. Which mm-hmm. makes sense, because let's just break down the economics of it. You can either fill a stadium once... And hypothetically, if they had it set up like they did six years prior for WrestleMania 32, you fill it with 100,000 people and you have all the merch sales and blah, blah, blah. Or you have two nights and have they had, what, 77,000 plus each It was night. about 155,000 total right. for the combined game. So you're getting 55,000 more people, mm-hmm. hypothetically. So you have that much more in your ticket Gate percentage, mm-hmm. merch sales, concessions, so forth. Economically, it makes fucking sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Uh, all right. Then we get to WrestleMania Sunday, night two. Um, we open with Triple H coming out, which I'm not crying. You're crying. Right. Like it um, was bad enough. The shit with Tommaso, where I was just like, dude. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, the only part that made it a little obvious is the fact that he had his daughters right there at ringside and he hugged them as before he went to the ring. And I was like, oh, God, I know where this is going. Um, 
But it was nice. It was simple. It was straight. It was to the point. He came out. He did the the water thing. He went in the corner. He did his thing. And then he came to the middle. Did a simple intro to WrestleMania. Um, but it was all good because between that and the day before it's Stand and Deliver, I feel like it allowed the fans to give him uh, a proper send-off for that part of his career. Um, yeah. Because, again, we, nobody had seen him or at least known that he was around since all pre-SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. So August? Yeah. Um, so it had been eight months since he had really been around doing anything um, or even been on television of any sort. So... It was a good way to provide closure. Obviously, leaving the boots in the ring when he left the ring um, was the defining moment of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah. And like, like yeah. I, 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 what was it last week? I said like, whenever he appears on camera again, he's going to get an insane fucking pop. They were like, "Yeah, we're not wasting it. We're going to do it." Yeah. May I have? I'm not predicting this, but I think maybe they'll do something on Raw tonight with him. Possibly. I'm not saying anything quite like what they had the send off for Taker or Flair per se, but right. I have a feeling they'll do something right. at the end of Raw right. tonight. But again, well, plus I- you know he's yet to solo go into the Hall of Fame, so he's got probably going to be next year's headliner now. I don't know about headliner. But somebody else hasn't gone in yet. Rock. We'll Especially see. if they end up doing what a lot of people want them to do. If they put him in the main event, they're not going to put him in the, in the Hall of Fame the same year. Well, we'll wait and see on that. Obviously, they don't start doing Hall of Fame shit till like January. So right, right. not a while to figure that out. Yeah. Um. Then we actually get into the action with the triple threat for the Raw Tag Team titles. RK Bro retains. I, I, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we both had the same feeling that maybe the, the Profits would get the run. Um, and keep pushing with the heel the, the heel ways. They seem to, and then all of a sudden, the heel ways disappeared apparently when fucking post-match. They're, they're doing the fucking... Uh, the, the toast and the Gable comes in. Yeah. Right. Um, and Chad Gable's just being a dick, and then Gable Stevenson basically calls out Gable Stevenson. Gable's like, "You don't want to do this. You don't want to do this." Sure enough, hop the rail. Uh, it's really sad when a fucking when Gable Stevenson go look. I can do a belly to uh, overhead belly to belly to someone and not break their fucking neck, and I've never had a match. Thank you. Um, yeah, that uh, yeah, that uh, that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Gable enjoyed the water toast outside the ring afterwards. <laughs> and the reason I know it was water is because it spilled out of Gable Stevenson's beard and it was clearly fucking water. Um, <laughs> Eddie Hooser. Uh, then we had the, uh, as I as I uh, ended up having, it was my, uh, my uh, toast some bagels and cream cheese for dinner match. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Lashley and Omos. I literally, I literally, I watched the entrances. I watched like the first minute and a half. And as soon as Lashley got thrown to the outside the first time, I'm like, okay, that's my cue. I just, I knew, I knew, 
The match was what it was. Um, I I just I couldn't I, I couldn't bring myself, and I don't say this very often about WrestleMania matches these days, but I couldn't bring myself to sit there and watch what I already knew was going to happen. It was not good, especially was, like it's like it's WrestleMania and Omos is still dressed in like street clothes. It was like meat on meat. I feel I and like, dude, like the whole like, they're like, oh my god, Lashley speared him in the kidneys. I'm like, no, Omos forgot to turn around. Like, <laughs> yeah, somebody else forgot to do that later on too. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm like, I, I think this is, I think this is the definitive end of the Omos experiment. I think it was Vince going like, oh well, Strowman's gone. I can fucking make this guy into my next big giant, and it's just, it's not working. Yeah. I, like he's been on the payroll for over two years now. Like time to cut him loose. Yeah, I agree. Um then we get to the uh the comedy act of the night as uh the the goddamnedest thing I've ever seen on a WrestleMania occurred. Hee <laughs> As uh, WrestleMania turned into an episode of Jackass. I loved that whole fucking match. And, and Johnny Knox, uh, Knoxville defeats Sami Zayn. Let's just... Alright, so we have... I'm just trying to... I don't know, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to keep it in chronological order, but I'm going to try to run through this. Mm-hmm. So we have... I believe it's, his name is Party Boy come in. Yep, Party Boy came in first, yep. And it's, I even said like at the beginning, I was like, I wonder if Wee Man's hiding under the ring. Sure enough! He he dances around the ring while Knoxville's down, and Sammy's just like, "What the fuck?" And then Party Man rips off his clothes and shakes his speedo covered ass all over Sammy. And mm-hmm. oh, so that was one part. Then uh, then uh, Wee Man Sammy pulls yeah. Wee Man out from under the ring, yeah. and Wee Man ends up messing Sammy around a little bit inside the ring and even body slamming him. Good post by Sammy. Yeah. Um. So. It was like, women's like, yeah, Brock, you want to put me through a table again? Um, <laughs> and then, uh, oh, what else was there? There was a fucking table covered in uh, mouse, mouse traps. traps. We had uh, Mark Henry's son, the hand, come out for an appearance. Dude, that, that, that that's a classic jackass spot from the movies. I'm like, I was dying. <laughs> I, I know it's a classic jackass spot, but I'm like, oh, May Young's... That's nice. Um, And then they pull out a giant mouse trap, and eventually, after some mechanical failure, a little bit. Well, you forgot you forgot the bowling ball to the balls, and the 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 robo dick, the robo dick kick. (laughs) Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And fucking Knoxville, he fucking laid that bowling ball in there too. I was like, ooh, god damn. I love uh, Johnny Knoxville's gear. Was very. Greatest hero? No, it wasn't Coffin. That was Greatest American Hero. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh fuck, that was that. That was the. That was so much fun. <sighs> that was that was a damn carnival. I'll just put that was. It was that was some carny shit. But you know something in a good way, right? Because they've been doing this program since January. Like, 
to have a ridiculousness of this matter as the blow off, especially because it's Johnny Knoxville. You know, you're not going to get some like technical masterpiece and, you know, it's going to be a bunch of jackass fuckery because that's what goes along with it. But, you know, something it's entertaining and the, they, they kept the crowd engaged the whole time. This is where this is the staunch comparison or sorry, the staunch contrast with AEW who has literally been putting on no DQ matches every other week for the sake of it with no build. This is what happens when you have a no DQ match with a build. People are into it. And you don't have to have people bleed and be set on fire. Right. No, you're right. I agree. Uh, Then we get to the fatal four-way for the women's tag titles, which wasn't a dead giveaway at all uh, (laughs) about who was not going to win because if you listen carefully... About 30 seconds into the match, Corey Graves drops the uh, the news. I don't know about I don't know how much it was really news, but I didn't know it was this close. Um, that him and Carmelo were getting married in 72 hours. Oh yeah, I, yeah. They, they he'd been saying that on Raw, like they they were taking their honeymoon right after Mania. Ah, so so it's like, oh gee, I wonder who's not winning this match. Um, <laughs> and then. Bitch comes out with a fuck, and you made this reference Where the, on a fucking uh, train. Seriously, like, I can't wait until she catches him cheating on her. I can't wait. Um, this is one of those it, it was what it was kind of matches. I felt like, yeah, I mean, a fatal four way tag match. You know, it's going to be a fucking car crash essentially. Yeah. Um, ends up with Sasha and Naomi going over and become the new women's tag champions. Yeah. Um, so congrats to them. Yeah. Um, now we just count down for when Sasha turns on Naomi. Um, <laughs> I mean, come on. That's 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 how every Sasha tag team ends. Eh, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, then we have Edge and AJ. Now, first off, let's just set the record straight. AJ Styles did not carry Von Erich's face before coming out. Okay. <laughs> um, if you don't get the reference, go watch Super Clash 3 with him and Jerry Lawler. You'll under- or just just fucking watch the uh what was it? The the was it the the world class documentary where they talk about that mm-hmm. match? Yeah. Go watch that either one. They'll it'll explain it. Um so what happened was the story is when AJ, like if you look at the set again, the entrance way, there's like a part of a star that kind of juts out. Yeah. The wrestlers would come around the corner. Yeah. Apparently he misjudged it when he was coming out in the, the uh, half, half ass darkness from the beginning of his entrance song. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of scraped his face. That's all. It was. Yeah. That's always people. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, and then you have edge with the, Brood meets Game of Thrones entrance kind of sort of thing. Edge is the newest leader of the House of Black. Thank you very He's much. He's the real king of the Black Throne. Thank you very much. I was waiting for that. I'm um, glad <laughs> that I teed that up nice for you. Um, and I, I, I got to admit, like, I was waiting to see the presentation because only presentation we had seen of Edge recently was suit and tie or come up to sneak attack AJ at the end of a match. Yeah. I wanted to see what the presentation looked like 
obviously you're not going to have him fucking rise up from a stage every time he wrestles if he's on TV because there's no fucking stage on TV. Right. But I just want to see the general presentation and look of him in this new persona he's carrying. Yeah. And I got to say, I, I'm a fan. Like, yeah, it was, for lack of a better word, and this is not me trying to overdo the the uh, the, the the flashback feels. It's a very brooding character. Yeah. Um. And again, I don't. A little bit of this... mystery of darkness. Yeah. 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 It, very, yes. Very ninety-eight, nine, like ninety-nine Undertaker ish. Yeah. Um. Just not going all the way to the the, the goth and yeah, godlike shit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. V- v- very. Yeah. I'm, I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of it. Um. Clearly, Jess Carr is like Edge's personal referee at this point that I've been mm-hmm. noticing. Which good on her. I mean, yep. Jess does a good job. Um. Match ends though with uh Edge looks like he's in trouble and AJ going to go for the phenomenal forearm. Then we get Damian Priest just fucking standing there at ringside, just chilling like yeah. a villain, just looking at him. Distracts AJ for a second, then AJ goes for the phenomenal forearm. Edge ca- catches a midair with a spear. One, two, three. After the match, Priest gets in the ring. Shares one with Edge. They both raise their hands above them, their heads in the ring. And basically initiates... Um, what had been a long-standing rumor for the last week or two going into Mania, in that Edge is supposedly going to start a heel stable. Yeah, the name of it, no idea. Who's going to be in it? Obviously, Priest. One would assume. After that, no fucking clue. Right. Um, there's not even any names that have been rumored to the stable. It's literally like Priest was literally the only person rumored, and he's the first guy to show up. So yeah. beyond that. No fucking clue. Yeah. Um, in fact, I'll refresh my feed here. Um, oh, interesting. Oh, God. Oh, please, no. All right. I'll come back to that in a second. Um, I mean, it would be funny if they use this as an opportunity to completely, like, completely change people's characters to fit this, like, kind of like the, you know, like the Acolytes, how, yeah. like, beforehand they were just, you know, Farouk and fucking Bradshaw and they like made them fit the Ministry of Darkness. If they took someone like Reggie and just completely changed him. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> um, I thought it was funny though because Shell goes on Facebook and she like writes something about, oh my god, the new brood. I'm so here for it. And just to be a dick, I commented with a picture of a can of new coke. New is not always better. Um, I need to backtrack for a second here. Okay. Now remember, WWE is technically a rated PG product. Yeah. Do you know what some idiots out there are rumoring might happen tonight on Raw? The return of the new Attitude Era, CDMA. Well, human sacrifice. (laughs) 
worse than that, unfortunately. Oh, God. People are ruined because it's been brought up at one point or another by one of the parties involved in this. That there's going to be a live sex celebration tonight with Corey Graves and Carmelo. Oh, Christ. No, it's not going to happen, especially because they lost. People. It's TV PG. It's not happening. Get right. over yourselves. All right. We're not right. we're not going back to 2005. Right. All right. And plus, nope, nobody would be ever interested in that. Like the way people had the hots for lead in 2005 is right. Like here. Yeah. Just in Carmela is like, like, and I'm being <laughs> nice because I'm within the screen here. <laughs> just saying. Um, any hooser. Um, so then we get to probably. I'm trying to think that I'm pretty sure this was the shortest match of the weekend. Oh yeah. Uh, Sheamus and Ridge Holland against New Day. I I love New Day. I do. I understand why they did it, but the singlets just looked really. They look stupid. Yeah. Like. If they had kept their regular kind of gear and just done the jack, the the uh, the biggie jacket, yeah, jacket, that would have worked as far as cosmetically speaking, right? But they just looked really weird in fucking singlets, man. There's a reason little guys don't wear singlets. They looked like high school students trying to try out for yep. the wrestling team. It was uh huh, exactly, very, very odd. Right. Um, I made a note here, and I'm not sure why. Oh, I know what it was. So there was a spot where Kofi and they cut to a very a bad camera angle to show off how fucked up this was. Kofi went to do a springboard drop kick at one point mm-hmm. and Ridge is nowhere to be fucking found for it. Mm-hmm. Take it. To which I made the note in my phone. Uh, Ridge misses more spots than a bad dishwasher. Yes. Um, Like fucking God. Like, can we just put Pete? I'm sorry. We put Butch in the fucking ring now. Can we? I was hoping this was going to be the catalyst for Butch breaking off from them right away. But I mean, it was just what, like, the entire story here is to get some fucking redemption for Big E. And no, they still do the fucking job. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what they're doing. I'm. I'm hoping this just ends the fucking thing. To be honest, I. I have no interest in any follow up in this thing. Right. Um. Now we get what I thought was the um. How should I put this? One of the better star-making performances of the weekend. Um. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking start to finish. Um. Pat McAfee goes out there. I was I was wondering I was sitting there wondering I was like are they gonna let him come out to Seven Nation Army and thank God Vince was smart. Did I miss the reference to that? That's just that's what it, when when uh, if you if you're at a live SmackDown and they introduce and they introduce the, the and they introduce the, well, the announcers the beforehand, he years. always comes out to Seven Nation Army and it's yeah. not on TV so he, Vince doesn't have to pay for the rights. Right. But like right. you're there in front of your international audience, which means you have. God knows how many soccer fans in that crowd. Right. And you want to get McAfee over, you let him keep that music. Makes sense. Um, so McAfee comes out and beats Theory to the chagrin of Vince McMahon. 
Um, Pat's, he just, I don't know why, but it seems like pretty much anything that dude touches, it just turns into gold, and I can't figure out why. Yeah. It's, it's just the charisma. He has a natural charisma about him. Yes, he That's does. what it comes down to. Yep. Um, whether it's his radio, his, uh, his radio show, whether it's even when he did stand-up comedy for a, a few shows, that was gold. Um, commentary is terrific. Him and Cole together is great. And then this, like, beautiful. Um, then Pat basically challenges Vince to get in the ring. Yep. And uh, we got to see what 76-year-old Vince looks like. He's still in decent shape. He's still in decent shape. Um, Pat did what he could to make it look all right, and yeah. Vince gets a pinfall after punting a football into the midsection of McAfee. Yeah. And then his then theory goes around like he fucking won the match when it was really Vince or whatever. Yeah, which that'll be interesting to see what happens tonight. Yeah. Um, and then as Vince and Theory are celebrating, we hear the glass break. Here comes Austin. He comes down. He stuns Theory. Theory does a sell job Scott Hall would have loved. Yeah. Um, and then the the moment of the night that made Mick Foley lose his fucking mind out of laughter. Uh, if you haven't seen the video, try to go look it up because Mick lost his shit at home Vince watching still this. can't take a fucking um, Vince gave the sloppiest stunner ever for Steve. Um First, he gets kicked and falls to a knee. Then he tries getting standing up, and he loses his balance, falls back into the ropes, and he comes yeah. back. And Steve's like, "Give me your fucking head!" <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the whole the whole thing was a damn mess. Um, then Pat Mack gets back in the ring, has a beard, gets stunned, and then starts drinking a beer while out on the ground like a dead goldfish. So great. It was uh, just the whole the whole thing start to finish was very well done. Um, I feel like that was all planned because I feel like it was for the people that only bought tickets tonight too. Mm. Because while the, the numbers were pretty much even, I guarantee like there's some, like there was a lot of people that said, I'm only watching night two, or, you know, there's some people that can only afford one night. And right. so like people who might've bought the Sunday tickets and then they find out Austin's going to be on Saturday would have been like, what the fuck? So Vince purposely had a reason to give them Austin both nights. It's probably also why they had Taker come out. Yes. That I was going to say. Um, and I'll probably, I, I'll be honest. I feel like, I don't know if, Hypothetically, let's say Steve coming out night two wasn't in the plans the whole time. I think we can assume what the original plan was if that was changed during the week. Yeah. Because let's be real. I know he's done it in the past. But do we really think that Shane was originally just flying in for Hall of Fame and that's it? I do. If, if if it really was, that was great on them for making people second guess about whether or not it was really going to be Cody Saturday night. Yeah. Because um, I'll admit, it, it made me think just a little bit of what the fuck. We're really going back to this well again? Well, I mean, um, especially because back when everything, all the fuckery happened in the Rumble, remember there was the rumor that the plan was Seth and Shane at Mania. Right. Which made me go, oh, if really, we're doing this, really. Um. 
but anyways, so no no appearance from Shane. I'm cool with that. Fine by me. <laughs> I ain't gonna complain. Uh, then we get to the main event of the night. Um, I'll admit I was kind of shocked with the fact they just did the regular entrance for Roman. I expected a little more pomp and circumstance behind it. Maybe they're saving it for whatever they might have in the plans. In the well, future. I mean, they did the whole, they, they made it so that the giant Roman was outside the stadium and that's how big it was. Well, yeah. But I mean, like as far as like inside the stadium, the actual entrance itself, I felt like was going to have a more, a little more pomp and circumstance. Now, again, this might be something they're saving in the can. If yeah. They do have plans already set up for next year in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that just kind of surprised, especially given the mag, how much they were, um, the magnitude of the match as they had built it up. Right. Um, well, they wanted people to forget that there was a title for title match 32 years prior in Toronto, but whatever. We're, we'll just, we'll just forget that ever happened. <laughs> um, but it was just, I don't know, it was just given the. But way that they, wasn't a title unification because they just, had attorney for the Intercontinental I, afterwards. I, I... Yes, you're right. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just like the way they, they built up the match. It Like, obviously, Brock doesn't need any fucking dress up. He just wants to go out and beat somebody's ass. But I thought they would have done something with Roman, but I, I, I'm not mad at it. It was just, just something I thought would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, in the end, here's... I want to break down something very specific about the match, though. Mm-hmm. Um. So, and this came early on. Early on in the match, you have Brock with the upper hand. Him and Roman are both outside. Brock is cornering Paul Heyman. Mm-hmm. And right in front of the uh, timekeeper. Time, yeah, timekeeper's <laughs> barricade. Excuse me, yeah. timekeeper's t- area. Which basically essentially goaded Brock into taking a spear through the barricade from Roman. Mm-hmm. Now, if you watch carefully, now I don't know what specifically about that spear would have caused this, but if you watch carefully when they go to the picture-in-picture replay and you keep your eye on the live feed as Roman is crawling out of that area, Mm -hmm. he is saying to Paul Heyman, now I don't know if this is a direct quote, but I could. this is pretty much what I was seeing him say. I'm pretty sure he said, I fucked up my shoulder. You could, he's looking clear as day to Paul. He's saying something about his, I don't know if he said I fucked up my shoulder, but he's saying something to that effect because he was saying something about his shoulder. I could tell that much. Um, so then we get to later the match. And Brock takes a spear but turns it into a Kimura. You can see after that and mm-hmm. I think you were, this is what you were referencing when we were talking last night. When Roman gets out of that and is eventually upright, mm-hmm. you see bruising uh-huh. that would lead from either A, some kind of bicep tricep injury, or B, going back to early in the match, maybe a shoulder injury that was causing issue down the arm with him. Well, right after that, he was laying there and he was telling Paul, it's out, it's out, it's out. Right. Which leads to the end of the night where after Roman pins Brock, if you, if you, I don't know if you caught this. So Heyman gets the belts from the ref. Roman 
grabs the top rope with his left arm, the bad arm, and he yanks. Then takes the belts from Heyman. So that leads to what you were saying. Um, So I think... Well, I think Brock's Kimura was the uh, was the cherry on top to lead to the actual injury. I'm not going to put the whole thing on Brock just because I feel like it was a his shoulder I think was kind of fucked up to begin with after that spear somehow. Nah. But I know you just want to put the whole thing on Brock. You just want to say fuck Brock. Because Brock has a track record of fucking hurting people and not caring. Well, we know that. We know that. I know. And and plus Brock taking the spear and not turning, although, yeah, I'll just assume Brock forgot to turn around, because <laughs> because Roman Roman clearly spears Brock and Brock's like oh fuck, <laughs> uh-huh. just, that was like near the ropes I think too and he just collapsed into the ropes I think it was, yeah yeah that was that was that was a little aux, uh, but anyways Roman ends up winning unifies the belts, um they did the smart thing. No surprises, no nothing, just Brock sitting there on the mat, disappointed in the loss. Roman's at the at the ramp with Heyman, raising the belts above his head, and they go off the air with that, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's intriguing is that there have been reports of Brock having um, more pay-per-view matches in his contract beyond last night. So now the question becomes Should we just assume we're getting Roman Brock to run it back at Backlash? No. Okay. So they don't run it back at Backlash. Do they run it back in a Hell in a Cell match in two months? No. So the final part of the question is when do we see Brock get back in a ring for a pay per view match? Do we say SummerSlam? Probably. Or do they pull the trigger a little early and go money in the bank just because it's Vegas? Nah. You think SummerSlam in Nashville? Yeah. Okay. Do we see Brock at all before July? Maybe. Okay. Where do you put Brock? Do you put him just slide him right back into the Roman picture in July? It all depends on what they do because we all know that they have the title unification, but God knows they're probably going to be like, oh, we're bringing the the big gold belt out of retirement on Raw tonight. Like, you know, like who the fuck knows it's going to happen. I'm just trying to think right now. Because I'm, I'm just trying to think of if not Roman... As of right now, based on the current structure of the rosters, if not Roman, then who? If Brock's not coming back until SummerSlam. Mm. And that's a very open-ended question because I wouldn't be able to give you a solid answer right now. I'll tell you who I wouldn't want getting in there with Brock. And it's just for this guy's safety um, because I want to see him actually have a prolonged return and actually have good work come out of what he's about to start doing. Mm-hmm. Please don't put Adam Copeland in there with him. Don't put oh, yeah, it in no. there. Yeah. Don't please don't fucking do that to him. Yeah. Like 
avoid that at all costs. Yeah. Never, never have those paths cross. <laughs> please, please and thank you. Never, ever, ever. Um, <laughs> that would just completely no. Yeah. Um. So now we get to tonight, which obviously we review in part B of this episode. But we have the night after Mania always tends to be crazy shit. Uh-huh. Um, whether it be returns, whether it be um, call-ups from NXT. Uh-huh. Um, so what do we get? Um, what's interesting is that I don't see... I'm trying to find if there's any preview at all for tonight. And I don't... WWE.com doesn't even have a preview on their website. Damn. So they... they and, and their show goes on the air in four hours based on <laughs> what time it is right now. It's almost it's almost four o'clock in the afternoon Eastern time when we're about to wrap up the show. And they literally have zero preview on WWE.com for... Everything is still from last week's Raw. They don't need one. They know people are going to tune in. Oh, hype. Oh, oh. I I agree, but it's like So let's just well, so let's just factor this out. Who what what are we what kind of fallouts what can we expect fallout from tonight? Um obviously Brock Roman. Yeah. Um RK Cody Bro Steph. something. Yep, RK Bro, yep. Um yep, KO. Mm-hmm. Unless he's on break, if they, yeah. if he is going on, but you think he'd at least stick around for the Raw after Mania, then maybe go on break. Yeah. Um, Bianca. Right. Edge and Priest. Uh, Edge and Priest. You're gonna assume they're probably gonna do some stupid fucking segment involving Tamina, uh, Akira Tozawa, Reggie, and Dana Brooke. Right, because they didn't do anything with the 24 seven title all Mania weekend. They gotta do wedding planning too. <laughs> um. By the way, I love how they used Dana Brooks' actual engagement ring for that segment last week. That was <clears throat> duh. Um. What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? What else? Um. I feel like there's something. Oh, if they do anything with Lashley, because he mm-hmm. just came back, did he come back for like a one-off? That he's gonna go back and heal up more. Is right. Good. Where was MVP? By the way. Yeah. yeah, that question has to be answered. Um, because I know it's been written about since last night. Um, and then obviously, who returns or debuts tonight? Right. Is Ciampa going to be Raw? Because Ciampa's going to be Raw. Yeah. Pretty much all of his matches have been on Raw before, so I'd assume Raw. Yeah. Yeah. Who else? If anyone comes up with him, so it's going to be an interesting night to see what happens. Yeah. Um, and obviously, we'll break all that down in part B of this episode, along with all the other non-WWE stuff uh, that we had not mentioned from WrestleMania week. So that'll mm-hmm. be intriguing. Um, any other parting thoughts from WrestleMania, Stand and Deliver, anything like that you wanted to bring up quick? I mean, I mean, I just want to like put it out there that like, because people say that I always hate everything, but I give praise and praises due, and I had a good time both nights watching Mania. Yeah, I agree. I um, this was WWE showed why WrestleMania is in its own stratosphere from everyone mm-hmm. else. Yeah, 
um, it was, it was, it was entertaining pretty much start to finish both nights. Um, yeah, yeah so I, I, I would be in, in complete agreement with you. Um, by the way, you said 8.5. I give, I think that's a fair grade. I'd say eight, 8.5 right in that ballpark. So I, yeah. I am in agreement with you on that. Um, there's no such thing as a perfect show or a perfect weekend of shows, right? But all in all, WrestleMania delivered, and uh, they should be pr- everyone should be proud of what they did in that ring the last two nights, yeah. Uh, that being said, you good, yeah, I'm good for now, all right. So, uh, we're gonna cut things off right now. So, this is part A of episode 44. Check back for part B, uh, coming up in uh, in a little bit. In the meantime, <laughs> that's JJ. I'm Brian. This is White Heat presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by friends at Mohawk Hunt and Johnstone Supply. Uh, say see you later, JJ. See you later, JJ.